Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and with me in the studio this afternoon is Holly Payton, Steve Capon. We also have Malou with us again. In fact, Malou has helped us put this entire program together today. What a fabulous job you've done uh, lining up guests, Malou. Uh, th- nicely done. Thank you so very much. Uh, but perhaps most importantly, in the studio this afternoon, we have with us Global Head Leadership L&D with AXA Equitable Insurance. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Miss Joy Joseph. How you doing, Sunshine? Thank you for having me. It's so, wonderful to be here. Yeah, and you come with your own paparazzi. I hear, cl- <laughs> I hear, I hear cameras clicking in, in, in the background and all that stuff. Uh, no, it's an absolute delight uh, to have you. And I know we want to talk about growing global leaders uh, and the next CEO. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about your affinity for this whole topic of growing global leaders. Where, where yeah. does that come from? Before I start anything, I must give this disclaimer that everything I say is my opinion and not <laughs> for acts or any of its <laughs> affiliates or subsidiaries. So Very now, <laughs> it just sounds like you've done that disclaimer before, right? <laughs> Fair enough. So, so going to the, back to your question, I think it's a great question. Why, um, regardless of the industry, regardless of the business that we're in, there are three facts that are just undisputed. And I would list them as urbanization, more and more people leaving, farming, moving towards cities. Digitization, I just can't imagine life without my iPhone and my iPad. And globalization. These are just facts that nobody disputes. And all three of these things are happening in the world with a speed that is unprecedented. And I can't even imagine not thinking about globalization, not thinking about digitization, not thinking about the movement of people into the urban areas. Having said that, that's sort of what I think about in my profession also. Boundaries are disappearing, whether they are based on geographical boundaries we're talking about or information boundaries. Workforce development, five generations for the first time in the workforce at th- today. The maturest, the baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, and the millennials, well, all I at g- the same time. I don't guess I ever counted them all up like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. Jeez. I'm a millennial. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve's a millennial. <laughs> so, 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 so we have to like think about how do we develop global leadership to run global companies. And that's why it's a topic near and dear to my heart, because I just think it's we can't do without it so so um i'm wondering how you go about um uh, do you when you're thinking about developing global leaders you've got um as you said such uh differences in in generations you might be developing global leaders in some parts of the world that are much younger mm-hmm. population yeah. than in other parts of the world. They might be a more mature population. Um, do you develop leaders locally? Do you do you really 
develop a global curriculum back at headquarters? How, how does that work? Mm. I, I, I'll encourage you not to think about age as a defined boundary because it's, that's not important. Um, w- the world likes to categorize people in different ages and calls them millennials or X, Y. I choose to look at what people bring in competencies and their thinking and their ab- ability to change. Agility is the word. Um, so regardless of where they are, regardless of um, what they're doing, it's important what they're able to contribute. So when I think about global, I don't think of a boundary. I like to think more as transcultural leadership. That's what we're developing as. So now going back to your the core of your question, why global leaders versus local leaders? Um, we do that by looking at what is common across the company. Why form a global company? Why have a global business? Well, the simple answer is the customers globally want it, demand it. So therefore, our leaders have to be able to work in a global environment. As, a, as Again, I reiterate global as a mindset, not a physical place. Mm-hmm. But is it a different leadership style? Does a global leader have a different leadership style approach mindset thinking pattern then i don't know what do you call the other people regular leaders right? <laughs> <laughs> whatever you local call leaders locally. Locally. Okay. you know it's it's funny uh the answer is yes and no and i love that question this is one of my favorite questions to answer so i'm going to just take a few more moments and really go deeper into it i i see the differences in a global leader one of the biggest thing they have this unique ability to be able to connect people all over the world to a higher cause than simple business revenues. And that, whatever that higher cause is in the business, it resonates with every individual regardless of where they are. So I'll share with you what are our higher causes. We call it the the noble purpose. Uh, And we list it as promises made, promises kept for life. I love that. So life insurance business, probably protect people. There's a different version in every language, Mm -hmm. but that's what that means. Uh, And I think regardless of, and I've said this to so many people, every single individual can have some kind of emotional affiliation. So that's one thing global leaders can do better than local leaders. The second thing is um, that I see that they are global leaders, they're global thinkers, yet they're very much present and are responsive to their local communities where they operate and live in. So they don't separate the two. The third thing I see, resilience and reliability, consistently across the board. Uh, And the fourth thing, which is very important, and I think in in my role training, I, I utilize that quite a bit, that they are a catalyst for the internal social fabric connecting employees, departments, units, therefore enabling collaboration um, across boundaries, different levels, um, different departments, and really building a network that just harnesses the collective knowledge of the organization. You mentioned resilience. What a magnificent word. and capability. Can you speak for a moment about how 
from a learning and development perspective, mm. developing global leaders, how do you develop oh. resilience? It's, it's, a, it's a great question, Holly. Um, it begins with self-awareness. When I, think, when I think about the times that we're in, just to step back before I get sure. just focus on resilience, I think about the pioneers landing here and on the East Coast, there's water behind them and they're in this ship and it took them months to get here and they see this vast land and they have no idea what's out there. So when that happens, we're sort of at the edge of the similar, we don't know what's gonna be like for 20 years from now. What information age is gonna present us? What businesses, we really don't know. What we do know, just like the pioneers, that we need three things. Some would argue four, I'm gonna give four optional here, just for, just for fun. But those three things are, if I was a pioneer standing there, I need, number one, I need a compass. I need to know what direction I'm going. Going backwards is not an option. Number two, I need to know what my values are. That cannot be wavered. And one of the values, all joking aside, could be that I'm not going to eat a teammate when there is no food. <laughs> wow. We spiraled wow. into cannibalism. <laughs> or still, uh, number three, resilience. In the face of bad weather, in the face of whatever, I've got to have resilience. And I need to know what my limits are. I need to know what source I could go internally to go and get that energy from when time hits. The fourth one I say jokingly, but I think it's also a trait that is needed, is we have to have right partners, right colleagues with us to help us when we don't know what to do. The trusting relationship is very important. So I feel like we're in the same boat here. We, d we know we need to move forward, but we don't really know what business is gonna look like. So what is it that's gonna center us and keep us moving forward? And I feel like not giving up, knowing where you get your source of energy is important. Speaking specifically about resilience, there is a level of complexity and therefore stress associated with it um, that a lot of leaders are facing. They just simply don't know what to do. It's important that they know where they can go to get that source of energy to replenish them, to get them centered when they feel not centered, um, and manage through their personal peace so they could help their colleagues right. and lead their followers and influence in the right way. Yeah, that's what I sort of think about resilience. That is such a great definition. I, I have to, I, I don't often do this, but I will say, I worked for a guy once who said, when you go out, at the, you're at the front lines and you're getting shot full of arrows, mm. don't die there. Mm. I can't help you. Yeah, Come back here. I can help put you back together yeah, and you yeah. can live another day. And that's really yeah. what, what you're talking yeah, about is, yeah. is have, knowing that you have um, a place to go to help you lead another day. That is, is And beautiful. it's different for everybody. It's like, I, I just like, you know, it's, it's just interesting. You, know, if you go to doctors and they say, oh, stress is causing this. Then you say, what do you do? Well, they'll say, manage the stress. <laughs> well, <laughs> 
Have you ever? I mean, this is like the funniest thing. I mean, if I knew that and I could, I wouldn't come to you and pay my copay and spend my time and take half a day off. And I think it's it's very important to know that. So self awareness, knowing where you get your source of energy, you overcome resilience. You. Um Everything that you've talked about, I'm going to put in a category of soft skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so speak to us, if you could. I think the listeners would really be interested to hear, how do you go about um, developing soft skills with your leadership population? Mm-hmm. You mean in terms of training programs specifically? It, right. Or, or uh, And let's broaden, <clears throat> let's if we can use it loosely, let's broaden it from training to learning. So Mm. what are all the aspects? Uh, It's not just a class or a program, but what what are all the things that that you are doing to help develop these so So first, first I've done both. I've done um, sales training, I've done compliance training, I've done so what you call the technical training, IT training, and I, I do leadership now. So, And I could tell you from experience, the soft stuff is hard and the hard <laughs> stuff is soft. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Those are our skills. <laughs> yep. Um, it, it's difficult to identify and it's difficult to. So the number one thing is, I, and in a corporate environment, in a, in a in a company where every dollar is looked upon, how you're spending it and so forth. Number one thing is, e- before you even go and convince anybody else, one has to believe it in their own core. If I don't believe it, then I can't convince. And there was a time back, way back in my career, when I used to think, oh, this stuff is fluff. I don't think that anymore. This is, I really, really believe that it's the, you take two people, both same GPA, same setting. It happens in children. They grow up in the same house, and one do, it does very good in X, and the other one does very good in Y. And you think, like, same parents, same genes, same house, same school. What happened here? Um, and I th- really believe it's those soft skills, quote, unquote, that really make the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is important to have technical skills in any organization, um, but in order to really move people, you need the soft skills, the ability to en- have an engaging conversation and attach somebody emotionally to a noble purpose. That's a soft skill. That mm-hmm. doesn't come from a fact or a figure. <laughs> now, you've been at this a while, so I wonder, can you kind of get your eye on someone coming through the rank and file of the organization, mm-hmm. they're a developing hypo leader, and can you just look at them and say, that's a global leader. We can develop that one. Into Have you gotten to where you can sort of spot them? Oh, I wish. I would write a book. <laughs> I, I would make lots of money. I would retire. You'll find me, I don't know, in some beach in, in, in South America someplace. I don't right. know. Um, I think it's a combination. I think it's, it's a combination of their business acumen. Mm-hmm. the depth of right. their understanding of the technical skills that are all they're in. And I also think the people skills, but more importantly, the environment around it, the support from the manager. Are they fitting into the human capital, their people strategy of the business at that time? Um, are, is their personal life 
aligned to what they're doing professionally? Do they believe in what they're doing right now? So there's a lot of factors. It's not just one thing. So on the surface, it has happened when somebody looks like a rising star and then just you put them in a different place. It doesn't work. Actually, I've seen it many times with different CEOs. They leave one company for one or the other, other right, and then right. they can't make it in another area and another situation. We, we read about that all the time. So it, it's a lot of things coming together. And I think that's why it's very important for human resource department or human capital departments, whatever we call them, that they really are engaged in the talent development story, that really involved in that, not being reactive to what the business needs are, but more proactive to that. Now, your early backstory, you were largely confined to compliance and technical training and then kind of migrated more and more or incorporated more and more of what we've been calling the soft stuff? Mm, no, I, I, okay. I started off in sales myself. Okay, started in Sa sales. Sales management and got into then compliance and then got while did training. So you're training, like the so definition like, picture of resilience. You uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted uh, you, but great. I, I know you're resilient. Uh, <laughs> So and so yeah, can you just kind of describe that progression and and how you landed to? Yeah, so, so yeah, I started off in sales um, as a financial advisor in those days. They called. I loved being a financial advisor at the time. Deep down in my heart, there was also a noble purpose. It was because of me. Yeah. Somebody, some child got to college. It was because of me. Some widow didn't have to work at McDonald's, and you know, it changes. I remember. Uh, I delivered my first death claim to a policy that I, I sold to this family. They didn't want to buy it, sold the family. And, of course, uh, the gentleman dies, three young children. I delivered the death, death claim. And uh, I had heard about the noble purpose then at that time in my own professional career. It just sort of became a reality for me. Um, I became a sales manager, and stories like that uh, really helped me convey and train the other people that worked for me. Uh, I got into compliance consulting purely by accident and ended up doing com compliance work and just really gave me an appreciation for why regulation exists, why it's needed, uh, why it's good for us. Uh, it's everybody's business, not just the compliance department's business. Um, and I got into training, really, because I felt uh, also by accident, but I stayed in it. I, I think that's more of an accurate thing, because I really, truly believe that the training departments in any organization are probably the most impactful departments. Yes, it's a biased opinion, clearly. But I really believe we see so much, but we don't do anything with that information. I think we don't help our leaders use the training platforms in the right way. Um, and I also think it is also upon us to educate our firms what training can do and what the limitations are. Knowledge dissemination through training is like old school. Google put me out of that business. You can Google anything <laughs> much faster point. than I would get to that. I mean, uh, skill development, sure. You could still go to YouTube and learn anything you want to. They'll give you the best practice. But being able to practice it, being able to create an environment, safe environment where the leader is comfortable being vulnerable and saying to its peer, his peer or her peer, I don't know. I may never know. 
I only know a little bit. I'm afraid. And not worry that this is a career killer conversation. And once they that open up, I see over and over again how they're willing to give feedback and receive feedback just to better themselves. And once you have that kind of culture, then sky's the limit. I just, uh, I, that, that's just sort of my own personal belief. In it. And I, I love seeing, especially a young person, grow up and then go up to the higher. This is it's just, just a beautiful thing. It can't be explained. I can't write about <laughs> it. It's just, it's just a feeling. <laughs> um, companies are, are going global more and more. They are working in, in multicultural environments. What words of advice or guidance do you have for companies that are beginning to look at developing global leaders rather than just letting the local training department um, take that responsibility? I would say to those companies, discover, be truthful to yourself, and know that do you really want to go global? And what I mean by that is my mindset not a physical location and if the answer to that question is yes then you have to look at your people strategy what I mean by that is if once you're global by default you're saying I'm gonna hire the best talent they could be in Singapore they could be in the US they could be in the UK they could be in some other emerging country and I'm gonna invest in developing the best talent once I've acquired them, and I have to have the methodologies, infrastructure, willingness, and beliefs in place to be able to do that. I mean, it's it, it's a difficult thing to do. It's complex, but if they're going to do that, I would say look at your strategy. Does it really align with what you're saying? Do you? Um, I, I'm just curious if, um, like, global rotations is that part of a leader's development or I th- I think it's part of the development I, I think what happens is unfortunately it's very cost prohibitive and not everybody wants to pick up their family and move across the world to do that for whatever reason so yeah, we I was have thinking to Caribbean rotation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bahamas <laughs> Caribbean <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I think we have to figure out ways uh, to do that it is true that, and we have seen studies done, that when distance stays as a distance and we don't close it, physical distance, the level of trust, the line diminishes. It is also true that once you become face-to-face, trust builds up much faster. Hence, a training platform could accomplish that. We do a lot of programs also. Again, I get all the time, it's, it's expensive, but I think it's worth it. A lot of senior executives come to Paris in a central location and spend three or four days with each other. And the fundamental thing is to build trust. Can I do that via WebEx? Sure. Can I do that? But would it be impactful and relevant as I wanted to? No. Because the purpose is that they share, they, they learn from each other, and they build trust uh, with each other. Um, and that's what we, why we do those programs. You've mentioned a couple times platforms, the different platforms. What, um, what platforms is your company using? What do you think are, are recommended best, 
best practices in terms of platforms to use? In terms of uh, e-delivery, you mean platforms? I, I, I don't think that there is one that is good or not good. I think it really purely depends on the company infrastructure that it can support. But when I'm talking about platform, I'm talking about the learning platform, how you structure the learning and how you create a safe environment. Um, I don't like, you know, sometimes people go to leadership programs and you know there's always a spy who works for the CEO. We don't like that. <laughs> or for HR, we don't like that. We set the tone right. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Do you provide that service, Steve? Do yeah. you provide like corporate spies? <laughs> we can. <laughs> for a price. Depends who the buyer is. <laughs> If Joy was our buyer, we would not be providing <laughs> a corporate spy. So I, I think it would be fascinating. I think it would be a, an awful lot of fun to design that uh, that platform, that that uh, that that thing where all the executives come together in Paris. Did you have a hand in designing that experience? Well, or? well, it's it's it, it's all of it, right? I mean, you yeah, they come the together. <laughs> we 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 <laughs> take them to a place. The next year? No, 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 not at all. No, no, it's, no, no. From a learning standpoint, it's right. just and and any company you bring them together because you've got to take them out of their environment for just allow them yeah. to think. I mean, think about where the best innovation happens in garages. Right. I mean, so you know, you take examples of people like Michael Dell. I mean. Why was Dell formed in a garage? Because they just needed a place to you gotta work. You got to disrupt that pattern, yeah, right? Yeah, you got to get absolutely. them off the, off the track. To think about. Otherwise, you just right. keep on doing the same old thing. There's no time to do anything. So you got to take them out. They have to think differently, different mindset. Um, and, you know, again, not by himself, but with a group of people when innovation mm -hmm. happens. This is very important. I just recently read an article from um, Harvard Business Review that innovation happens through collaboration. Mm -hmm not by one person just putting on their iPod and taking a walk in the park. So I think it, we're trying to create that atmosphere. And then the second thing is complete trust in each other. Uh, and that happens when people work together in solving problems that are meaningful and relevant to them. That's about the ninth time the word trust has come up in this conversation. Yeah, I got I, it's it's so important. obviously yeah. it's, it, it, it's very yeah. important. Yeah. So what's next for you and AXA Equitable? Anything you're allowed to talk about? Some cool projects or maybe some attention toward a new platform? <laughs> <laughs> uh, next for me is to continue be better at my job this job so I mean I'm having a lot of fun doing this uh, it is it's just a fascinating topic I it's complex but I love shaping it I'm I'm, I'm I'm loving being part of something bigger better for in the future I just think and really I it, the, just the noble purpose resonates with me uh, because it, it does I mean it's just my I have family right I mean so I think about it are my wishes going to be fulfilled are the promises going to be kept when I am no longer here to impact them so and I work for a company like this that's, I'm very proud of it well, I think it says something about your company too that they identify talent like you who doesn't come from the kind of the traditional route of learning and development leaders you know, you've come from the business and have been able to really build the capabilities to you know deliver global learning uh, to your organization, which is really a, something, something to be said about AXA as well as yourself. Yeah, just one quick comment on that. Actually, I think companies need to be prepared. When those days are gone where the companies said, okay, we have a job and we have a thousand applicants and then we'll pick who we think is the best. I think in the next 10 years, it's going to be reversed. The, the employee in Singapore has an option to go to any company or work for themselves the way they want, where they want. 
And I think that that person is going to have more of a choice, more of a say than companies think about that. And I think we have to think about is just a traditional role enough? Maybe in some cases, traditional, but I would also say we have to think about agility is a big, big piece mm -hmm. of the equation mm -hmm. to allow for that. And I think there are pleasant surprises I have found, even me and my staff, I mean, I'm like, wow, I mean, I never thought this person could be this good at this, and this is so pleasantly surprising, makes me happy. <laughs> you are really finding this work rewarding, aren't you? It, it is at a personal I mean, I, level. No, to I can tell it. I mean, it just it comes through. I, I, you know, I say to people, unless we were having this discussion, unless something professionally, whatever it is one is doing, becomes personal, mm -hmm. one can't be the best at it. So if you're doing something and it's not personal to you, <coughs> by default, you're going to be second, not first. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely <laughs> well said. Well, I look forward to getting back together with you again sometime, diving into more on this topic and others, and, and I know the rest of our panel does as as well. Holly, did you enjoy the conversation? Oh, this was wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. <laughs> you Thanks, are, are truly one of a kind. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> for you saying that. Well, we'll look forward to doing it again sometime. In the meantime, uh, Steve, Malou, thanks so much for coordinating uh, the entire day, but what a She's marvelous way to developing the next it. CEO. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to uh, come to New York and talk to Joy as well as a number of other uh, learning leaders from, uh, from, from Manhattan. It's been a, just a great day, and we look forward to coming back here uh, hopefully in the next uh, five to six months. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our friends at Training Pros, our guest this afternoon, Miss Joy, my co-host, Holly, and our faithful producer, Shay Thomas. That's a wrap here from Park Avenue. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.